Week three of this series on having your best family in 30 days. We're not saying that everything's going to change overnight, but we really believe within 30 days that immediately you can begin changing the course, the direction, the atmosphere, the mood of your entire home if we'll listen to what God says. Now, you may feel a little excluded because you don't, you're not able to be around family right now. We get that, isolated, cut off, and all that. But, or you just may not have family that you're able to interact with at all. But these are principles, I think, that apply to all kinds of different relationships. And we learned last week that God wants the very best for your family, and he has a plan for that. And, and then last week, we looked at things to subtract from our families, right? Things to get rid of the junk to throw out, primarily selfishness. So if you missed any of those messages, go back, watch them on our website, listen to the podcast, however you're able to. Today we're gonna talk about what we need to add to our families. So as we're talking about addition, I wanna, I wanna demonstrate this for you visually. So let's, let's show this video. Maybe you've seen this before of, of a jar being filled up with rocks and pebbles and sand. So the rocks, are the big things in your life. Uh, the jar is your time, your capacity. The sand is a not very important stuff. Pebbles, less important things. Uh, but the big rocks are supposed to be the priorities. And you see how we get our lives and homes filled up with stuff that's not really important. Our time gets filled up with less important things and we never seem to have room for the most important things, the big things. So what we gotta do is we gotta get rid of all that. We talked about Get, getting rid of the, the, the stuff that doesn't belong so that we can make space for the big rocks, right? The important things. And then as we go along, we can add in the less important things and even the sand, the not very important things at all. We tend to have more room for everything if we get our priorities in order. This is what happens in our families. We wanna make sure we're putting those rocks in there today. So what I wanna do is talk to you about the big things. I wanna talk to you about putting the rocks into your life for, first, these four priorities to put into your, your family jar. So here's our big idea, to make it a priority to learn, pray, play, and serve together as a family. Those are gonna be the four big rocks, all right? So let me take you back to um, Deuteronomy, to the Israelites. They have been delivered out of slavery in Egypt. Moses had led them through the wilderness. They're at the edge of the promised land, and Moses is going to remind them of the most important things. And here's what he says to families in Deuteronomy 6. We've heard this before, but in these repeating, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up throughout the day. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, make them a part of your everyday life everywhere. And guess what? Moses is saying, it ain't my job to teach your kids. <laughs> I'm teaching you as parents, but it's your job to pass on God's word, his laws, his, his teachings to your children. And you know what? The older you get, the older your kids get, the, the harder it is. The fewer and fewer opportunities you have to do that. When they're babies, you got them 24-7. It's like you can't get away from them. Please, somebody take them for just a few minutes. But you've got all the time in the world when they're young. Even as small children, you're with them all the time. But then they start going to elementary school. And now they're off at school. They're doing studies. They're ha having activities. They're playing with their friends. You have fewer and fewer opportunities. Then they get to high school, and you barely ever see them. Right? Which in some cases is not such a bad thing. But, you know, you, 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 you're hardly ever around them. Maybe a little bit of... Maybe before they go off to school every once in a while, or maybe you sit down for a meal. But, you know, they got a car. They got, they got friends. They maybe get a job. 
And so not only do you have hardly any opportunities the older they get, but the concrete has set up. You know, when they're young and the concrete of their heart and soul is still wet and impressionable, you've got, you've got an opportunity to impress on them the things that are important. But the older they get, that concrete starts to harden up. And it gets really difficult by the time they're teenagers because they've, it's already hardened. They've already got their worldview and their values and their priorities and their morals. And, and to break through that, you've got to do a lot more hard work. So you remember week one, we looked at the Swerf family, how Steve and Amy came to faith in Christ later in life after they had already had kids and the difference that Jesus made in their home. Penny and I have known... Steve and Amy, for, for several years, their oldest daughter, Carly, and our younger son, Tom, started out in kindergarten together in the same class, and they went to school. But uh, now, today, you're going to get to hear it from the perspective of one of their daughters, the, the middle daughter, Riley. Let's listen. So, my name's Riley. I'm the middle child of Amy and Steve, and I... It's kind of weird, because I don't quite remember life without church. Um, I always remember just being young and being in, you know, kidsmen and growing up in the church, but I definitely remember differences um, in my parents' marriage early on versus like how it is now. Um, the biggest thing is just how they treated each other, I would say, that I've noticed the difference. I wouldn't, I mean, they've always been good parents to us. So in that area, not much has changed, but definitely with how they treated each other. I remember being young and they would actually, they would go like to the basement or into the garage and just start yelling at each other to fight, thinking like there was soundproof walls and somehow we weren't gonna hear them. But me and my sisters would always be upstairs and like, oh my gosh, here they go again. But yeah, it was just like they, I mean, it was probably like, it was a normal marriage without Christ. It wasn't anything like crazy, but it was just how you would expect two very worldly, selfish people to treat each other. You know, one of them, you, they always wanted to be right. Um, they didn't want to back down. They wanted to prove to the other one. And so, yeah, I remember growing up and hearing them fight a lot. Um, there was one big fight and I don't know what it was over, but I remember my mom, saying that she was gonna leave. Like she was like, I'm not, I'm done. I just wanna leave. And like, she started packing her clothes. And like, I remember going into the bathroom where my sister was and I just started crying. So I was like, like mom's leaving. And you know, she's like, no, no, she's not gonna leave. Cause Carly had experienced this more than me. And she experienced like, it's just what they would do. You know, it was fighting and all these, you know, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And then it would pass and forget about it and nothing would happen and they just move on. But I started to see them reflect that more in their marriage and they were no longer just two individual, you know, selfish, worldly humans. They, they had compassion for each other and they showed love and grace um, just like Christ has shown them and they brought that into their marriage. And so now it's, you know, they still have moments where they don't agree on stuff, but they have a lot more grace for each other and know that it's not just about winning. It's not just about being right, you know. They can let the other person explain their side and all of that. And so, yeah, that was 
that's probably my biggest just difference I saw, you know, being young when they were kind of like lukewarm Christians, I guess you could call it, go to church, but then come home and live the same old lives to, you know, after going to church for a few years when they really decided to give their lives to Christ and um, go full in in the church and bring it home with them. But yeah, I remember that shift of just being like, church was very wishy-washy and you know, oh, we don't feel like it, let's not go, to being like, we need to go do this. And um, it's the only way we're gonna better ourselves and our family. And yeah, just that. And then being able to hear their testimonies as I got older during times when I was, you know, challenged by something or contemplating things and just, my mom or my dad being able to open up with me and share their testimony and be able to be like, this is what I experienced without Christ and this is what it ended up in and just knowing that I wanted to avoid um, all that hurt and the pain and the suffering that it caused them when they were younger was really amazing and I'm glad they didn't just, you know, you know, keep quiet and be like, no, we were perfect and we're going to church, you know, we're the perfect parents, you guys just, you know, watch us go to church, but instead they approached it as we're not perfect and we messed up in a lot of ways, but, you know, we realized that we needed God and Christ in our life and they shared that with us in hopes that we realized that as well and we did. Yeah. Giving trust over to Jesus like that made a tremendous difference in their family and their kids and now even their grandkids are the beneficiaries of making that decision to put Christ first. So here, let's talk about the first priority here. The most important rock in our jar is to make sure that we're teaching what God says because other things can become more important if we let, you know, gymnastics and soccer and this club and that club and, you know, me time, shopping time, hunting time, whatever it is. If we let those things crowd out teaching our, our kids about God and his word, we're missing our whole stewardship as parents, why God has entrusted these kids to us. So the first thing we got to do is we need to learn together. Moses did not say, bring your kids to church, did he? I mean, that's an important thing. It's vital. It's crucial. Kids need that church environment where they have teachers and people who care about them. And we're here to supplement and support you and resource you, but we are not here to be your surrogate. God has called you to be the teacher for your children. You're their main teacher, and we want to help you with that. But here's what wise King Solomon said to his own son, Proverbs 1. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Throughout Scripture... Parents are expected to teach their children, and children are expected to listen to their parents. So we got to make sure that's a priority more than even making sure they get a good education and get a scholarship and get set up in their career. Listen again to Solomon in, in Proverbs 22, 6. We know this first. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's our role. Parents are to train up kids in God's word. That doesn't guarantee they're going to turn out the way God wants them to, but that's the expectation on us. What are we supposed to train them for? Well, Jesus really tells us in John 8. In fact, let's say this out loud, everybody, together. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Kids are not going to get the truth out there in the world. 
They're going to get facts. They're going to get information. But the truth comes from God. And the ones who hold to the truth of Jesus are the ones who are the real disciples. So we're to train them to know the Lord's teachings. Why? So that when they're old enough, they're able to make their own choice to follow Jesus. We can't do that for them, but we can lead them toward it. You know, when they're, again, when they're real young, you know, babies and toddlers and everything, we're just trying to teach them like the words yes and no. We're teaching them don't, uh, don't yell at, at, at people, don't hit people, don't throw your food. We don't have to tell them why. <laughs> just here's what you should do and not do. As they get older, though, they need some reasons. They need to know why. Because if you hit somebody, it hurts them. Because if you yell and throw food, it's disrespectful. So the same thing goes with God's word. When they're young, we just tell them, here's what God says. But as they get older, they need to understand why. They need to understand, what is this all about? Why am I doing this? And so if I've trained my kids to know God's word for themselves, then as they're older, we begin to have conversations about Here's why and here's how to apply it. He, you know, instead of me just giving them rules, do this, don't do that, they're able to begin to filter this and make wise decisions as they understand and apply God's word for themselves. They're not just living their faith through you. They are owning their faith for themselves. And I think one of the main reasons why parents don't teach their kids God's word is simple. They don't know God's word. They don't know it and so they can't teach it. And they certainly can't model it for them. How can I teach something I myself don't know? So yes, our kids' ministries, our student ministries are here to help you, to support you, to supplement you, because we believe the best thing that we can do for each child is to help you be the best family you can be so that they can learn God's Word from you, that you can teach them and influence them because you get to spend way more time with them than we do here. We get just a little bit of their time. You get a whole lot more. And that's why we've got these resources for you. Each week, you could do the lessons that we provide online for your family. Do them together, southpointccc.com slash kidsonline. For the younger ones, for the older ones, slash shift at home. You could do a study in Right Now Media. We provide this free resource for you that you go through our website, subscribe to it. It's like a Netflix of Christian Bible studies and, and teachings and entertainment. And you just watch them together. You don't have to be an expert to just sit and learn these things together. Learn with them. But parents, it's got to start with you. you got to be the initiator. you got to be the one to drive this. you got to be the one to open your Bible and begin learning it for yourself so you can help them to learn it. You can do it and we can help. Every day, make sure you're, you're opening whatever Bible you have. You know, if you, if you don't have a Bible, look online, BibleGateway.com. Download the YouVersion app onto your phone or your iPad. All kinds of Bible translations there. Get a good study Bible like the NIV study Bible, which has all kinds of helpful notes and, and context and footnotes and things to help you understand it for yourself. Why? So that when... You know, when your kids are really young, okay, they're not going to know the difference. But as they get older, they're going to see whether you really believe what you're teaching them. Or if you're just handing them down a bunch of rules. If you're like saying, don't do this, don't, don't, don't gossip. But then they see you gossiping or making fun of people. They, it, it registers right away. Mom and dad don't really believe this stuff. They're just handing me more rules. They're, they're hypocrites. So you've got to understand it and live it. And just part of your everyday life. Moses says do it when you're waking up, when you're going to bed, when you're sitting at the table, when you're walking along the road. So let's break it down. Let's, let's try to think of it in that way. Think of it like this. All right, first of all, he says do, it, do this when you get up in the morning. That's morning time. Okay, so how can you be more intentional in your mornings? 
with your kids. Well, maybe you have to get up a little bit earlier so you can have some breakfast together so that you can pray about the day that's ahead of them, that you can maybe, you know, read a little bit of the Bible or, or give them some sort of encouragement from Scripture. Um, stick a little post-it note in their lunch with a Bible verse on it or some encouragement from God on it. So that's, that's just a few ways. How about when you're walking along the road? Well, chances are you're probably not doing a lot of walking, but you're driving. Do you have drive time with your kids? If so, use it purposefully. You know, initiate conversations. Listen to what they're saying. Ask them questions. Try to involve God in those, those opportunities when it's just you guys riding along the road. You know, take out the ear, <laughs> earphone. Take out, take out the AirPods and all that and talk for a little bit or listen to some Christian music together or a Right Now Media thing or a podcast. Use those moments. Moses says, do it when you are um, sitting down. Well, when's that? That's mealtime. So how can you turn mealtime into a time to teach and train? Well, again, you, you pray for one another. Use your mealtime to pray. You unplug. Turn off the TV, at least while you're praying. <laughs> um, get rid of the iPhone for a while. <gasps> what? No, we can't. Yeah, yeah. Put it aside. Talk. Ask questions. How was your day? Anything that you're concerned about? Anything you're worried about? Anything you're afraid of? Anything that I can help you with? But use that mealtime intentionally. Talk about something from the Bible that, that you, you learned yourself that day. And then Moses says, do it when you're lying down. Well, that's bedtime. How can you use that bedtime? Well, the, the younger they are, the easier it is. You read the Bible together. You get a good age-appropriate version of the Bible. And you read through it together. You learn together. And you pray again about your day and what's going on out. What, what do we need to pray about? Who can we pray for? Uh, you know, when, when my boys were younger, um, you know, we would rotate praying. Sometimes I pray, sometimes I pray. We do that mealtime too. We'd go around and pray. Um, and, and my kids were pretty smart too because they knew if they asked me a God question at bedtime, it was going to be like another hour before they had to go to sleep, right? Because I would blah, blah, blah. And we would, we would have these great spiritual conversations. I don't know how pure their motives were because they knew that hey, we're, we're pulling one on dad. Man, he, we're staying up like an hour later. Well, okay, but it was a good hour. And I'll never forget those hours, man. And I hope, hope it did them some good too. So look, make these a habit. Begin to weave these into the, the, the tapestry of your day. And I promise you, you will get better at it. It may feel weird and awkward right now. You'll get better at it. Because if you keep waiting and putting this off, it's just going to get harder and harder. And there will be fewer opportunities. So we've got to learn together. And then we've got to pray together. That's another one of those big rocks to put into the jar. And of course, you need your own personal prayer time with God alone. But sometimes it's good to pray with your spouse, to pray with your kids, to pray together as a family. It's, it's kind of an intimate, unifying thing that gets you all on the same page, that aligns your wills with God. That as you draw closer to God, you draw closer to one another. And it doesn't have to be this long, formal, awkward kind of prayer. It's just conversational, right? Again, you, you, uh, you might take turns praying. And it shouldn't feel burdensome, like whose turn is it to pray? Is it your turn? Not me. No, it's your turn. No, I don't want to do it. Oh, man, it's... No. This is something where we get to help each other meet each other's needs and, and pray about each other's concerns and thank God for all we have because we get so wrapped up in what we don't have and we get so self-centered we forget how much God has really blessed us with. Here's what the brother of Jesus said in James 5. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So you want to have powerful, effective prayers? You want to have your kids have powerful and effective prayers? I mean, who is going to teach them that they they can pray to this God about anything, this God who's big enough and cares enough about them that they can pray about anything? Doesn't mean he's going to answer every prayer the, the way they want to, but he cares for them. Who's going to teach them how to pray if not you? Everybody needs to be taught how to pray. We need a model example. Even the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus tells them in, in Matthew 6, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But when you pray, again, again, it doesn't have to be formal, doesn't have to be flowery. Just go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, And then your father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Don't keep on babbling like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Keep it simple. But teach them and model for them how to pray. And give you some key principles here for developing it. Very simple. Number one, pray daily. It needs to be a habit. Just part of your your routine. Can it become routine? Yeah. But only if you let it. Keep your heart in your prayer life. Two, kids need to see regularly uh, hear you regularly as parents praying and praying for them three pray for specific things in the moment don't have to wait till bedtime just in the moment when there's a need pray about it teach them to turn to God right when they need to okay four pray for others again getting out of that selfishness self-centeredness how can I help others in prayer and five pray after arguments which may be (laughs) the least used and the hardest to do but Boy, if you can get to that place where prayer becomes like, this is how we make up, this is how we repent and forgive and reconcile, that can be a good thing. Maybe during the day you text each other, hey, I'm praying for you, or you even text them a short prayer. That would be an awesome thing. So, all right, there's a couple of rocks, a couple of the big priorities to make sure you got in your jar, but those aren't the only things. Give you a couple more. We need to play together, play together. So many kids are missing having one or both parents around. I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable. It's not something you wanted, but here we are. And I think in America, something like a third of the kids are growing up in homes without their biological father. Fatherlessness is epidemic. And the stats are not good about that. We've seen how kids in in those kinds of households are, are, are growing up more in poverty. They're getting pregnant as teenagers. They're dropping out. They commit more crimes. They go to prison more often. And I don't share that with you to make you feel bad or or, you know, to be a, like, oh, it's, it's awful. No, I, you do the best you can. It's not what you planned, but trust the Lord through all that, and he can do some incredible things and turn out some incredible kids who become incredible adults, even in spite of all that. I share it with you to point out how important, how influential you are in your kids' lives. Because without your presence, they're missing out, and they're going to experience and maybe even inflict more pain than needs to be. And so one of the things that that has to happen, very important, is that you just be there. Not that you have to be perfect, but that you have to stay. They need you around. Kids need your presence and your, your interest and your influence. I saw a stat not too long ago that I don't think anybody will find too hard to believe. 65% of American parents admit that they spend less than one hour a week with their kids in playtime, but 15 hours a week on TV. 
Now that's shocking to me. Not the less than one hour, that it's only 15 hours. I would have thought it's double, triple that amount. We watch a lot of TV. We've got that screen in front of us all the time. In fact, that has become like the default way to raise our kids, I hate to say, is we stick them in front of a screen. And I get it. It's easier. It's more convenient. Not saying it's terrible because sometimes you got to and sometimes it's it's not even a bad thing it can be a beneficial thing they're learning stuff or or at minimum it's harmless but let's be real if we're putting a screen in front of their face you know whether it's tv or putting an ipad so they can watch stuff or or an iphone where they can do game apps think of how many countless hours they are consuming the content of this world And folks, it ain't all good. There's a lot of garbage content that they're absorbing through those screens. We got to be careful on that. And can I just say, I don't get this at all. What's the deal with kids watching other kids do stuff? Like watching other kids open presents and play with toys. Or watching other kids play video games. I don't get it. There's no point to that. I just wanted to say, what is the deal? Would somebody explain that to me? But a lot of screen time, we gotta be careful. What's the priority to you? Yes, kids are inconvenient. That's part of the deal. God has given them to you as a stewardship. And yes, that takes away from your me time and your shopping and your hunting and your socializing and your working. Yes, that's all true. So should we spend quality time with kids or quantity time with kids? Yes, you know that's not an either or. Yes, kids need some quality time where you have some focused individual attention on each child, planning some special alone time with them, and then times together as a family. But then just some some quantity time, just being together. Yes, kids are inconvenient, but they need you. Now, there's another rock that often gets left out, I want to mention, and that's we need to serve together. Serving together can be a game changer in your family. Because last week we saw how we need to get rid of selfishness. And we are inherently, by nature, self-centered people. And that's why serving is so important. Because it gets you out beyond yourself. And we can teach it and train it, but they need to see us modeling it as examples, right? Jesus says this in Matthew 20. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for others. So in other words, you want to be like Jesus, you need to be a servant. And so one of the ways we provide an opportunity is go serve. And a lot of you have gone out and served, even together as families. I took a a raking team out yesterday. And we did like three yards for elderly people. And there was a, a one big family that were all raking together. And my own son showed up and was raking together with me. That was really awesome. And I just love to see families serving together. We taught our boys when, from the time they were young to be involved in church and volunteering. And, and I love to see families volunteering together at church as well, like greeting at the doors together or volunteering in the nursery together. I told that raking team after we were done with those three yards, I, I said, you know, whenever you do anything in the name of Jesus, even given a cup of cold water, you receive a blessing. There's a reward. And you know what? We did this so that we could bless others, so that we could help other people. And that's great. But I want you to also understand that we actually did that somewhat for ourselves because we need to serve. Because what it does in us, it changes us. It makes us more like Jesus. So if you're not serving, 
Let it be a game changer in your family. Even ask your family, what can we do this month? What's going to be our project? How can we serve together at church? Let's get out beyond ourselves. Let's make it a priority to learn and pray and play and serve together as a family. Those are the four big priorities, the four rocks that need to go in your family jar of time so that all the other stuff, the less important and the non-important stuff, that goes in after, goes in later. Schedule the important things into your life and calendar because you only got so much time to do this. Right, when you bring that baby home from the hospital, You've only got 18 years, 939 weeks, and they go by quick. And I can tell you, i got two grown boys, and it goes by super quick. And you think you got all the time in the world, but if you keep waiting and waiting and waiting, it gets harder and harder and harder. So don't wait. Do it now. Sooner the better. You can change a lot of things. You can make up for some mistakes. You can, you can overcome things. You can learn new things, but you can never, ever, ever add any more time to the limited time you've got with those kids do you believe that do you believe that God's plan is the best for your family will you trust him with that maybe that means going home this week and saying you know what I realize we're not as together as we need to be we're all going off in our different directions and we're shutting each other out and you know what? we need to get back together a little bit and maybe we're going to do some meal times together we're going to we're going to open our bible together and maybe it's weird again it's awkward I don't know what I'm doing but I, I know this if 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 this isn't about changing our family, this is really about changing me. It's got to start with me because God wants what's best for my family, for my home. And it's got to start right here. So let's pray about that now. Father God, again, there's so many families that are, that are struggling, that are drifting, that are, are, are having all kinds of issues, Father, that just are pulling them apart. And I pray that you bring them back together. Father, that we would value one another, prioritize one another, God. Give these families unity and protect them from division. God, we want our homes to be happy. So help us to honor you as the head of our homes, to get our priorities right, to, to prioritize your word as our authority. God, we want to live it. We want to teach it. We want to make time for it. We know it's not just going to happen. We got to make time to read it and, and pray together. Lord, give us wisdom and perseverance to train up our kids in your ways. And Father, would you bless our kids' ministry and our, our, our student ministry and the workers and the, the leaders in those ministries, God, as they support and supplement families. We're still praying right now. Our, our eyes are closed, but I want you to go ahead and take some time to pray silently about what's going on in your home and how God can help you. We're still praying, and, and Lord, we need you to be the Lord of our own individual lives. And if there are any who need to make that decision, that first step today, I pray that they will sense your call right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's it. If, if you know God is calling you to become a believer, a disciple, we're here to help you make that decision, okay? Because it begins right here. 
If, if, God can't just like magically change your life. It's got to begin with a, your own decision to I want to do things God's way. That's what repentance is about. I've been going the wrong way. I've messed up, Lord. Forgive me and set me on a new path now. I want to follow your way, which leads to life. I need the power of your Holy Spirit in me. I can't do this on my own. That's what becoming a Christian is. So if you're ready to make that decision, if you want to be baptized today, would you reach out to us and, and let us help you do that? Okay, if you're watching online, text us, 734-304-7248, or email us at next at southpointccc.com. If you're here on site as well, you can do that, but as, on your way out, we also want to do that in person at the point out in the lobby by the main entrance. There'll be people there ready to help you, pray with you, answer your questions, whatever it is. We want to help you take your next step, all right? So so as we get ready to go, I want to encourage you to uh, come back next week to invite somebody for our fourth and final week about having a blended, mended, and extended family and how God can help you there. And until then, stay connected one another. We'll see you on Sunday.